I'm Paul Levinson, and this is Light On, Light Through, episode 34, Harry Potter and the Refutation of Illiteracy. Well, uh, we've got a little more than two months to go uh, until the release this July of the final Harry Potter novel. And I thought it would be a good time to once again proclaim what I've been saying ever since the first Harry Potter book broke huge some years ago, which is the extraordinary success of J.K. Rowling's books should shut down once and for all the absurd claim that we live in an illiterate age. Now, the sales of these six novels have been extraordinary. We're talking nearly 90 million in the United States alone, another 36 million copies in the United Kingdom, and that all adds up to a total of over 270 million copies of the first six Harry Potter novels sold worldwide in 62 languages, no less. And that includes Latin and Ancient Greek. Hmm, that gives me an idea. Maybe in my next novel that I write, I'll have someone bring back a copy of Harry Potter translated into Ancient Greek and have a good scene with Plato reading it. But these novels here in our present age have been more than just bought and skimmed. I don't think I've ever seen anyone with a Harry Potter novel who has not been totally engrossed, bubbling and eager to discuss the most minute as well as the most profound points of the novel. Harry Potter's readers are not only legion, but literate, and highly so and in fact far more literate than many people who are decades their elder. Not that this will convince the ghostly critics who lashed out at motion pictures nearly a century ago. For example, William McKeever, who in an early 20th century issue of Good Housekeeping, wrote an article called Motion Pictures, A Primary School for Criminals. Well, if he were still alive, the success of the Harry Potter novels would not likely convince him because in that article, William McKeever also lashed out at the dime novels that he thought were corroding the minds of children back then. And his descendants and everyone who has been criticizing television and more recently the Internet and even texting on cell phones likely they won't be convinced either. They've been dishing out over and over again that all of these modern photochemical, electronic, and now digital media are giving us a, quote, vast goo of meaningless stimulation, unquote. That comes from uh, Harper's editor, Thomas Zengotita. And this vast goo of meaningless stimulation, according to these critics, is rendering us callous, senseless, dumb, illiterate. And for the worst of the quacks, like Jack Thompson, who has a thing about video games, he thinks these media are making us violent. Well, 
Never mind that even before Harry Potter and his magic, literacy rates had been holding steady in the age of television. In fact, I often quote a study that was published, the results of which were published in the New York Times in the late 1970s, which show that reading scores in a town in Indiana which were measured in 1945 and then again in the mid-1970s. Well, guess what? They stayed about exactly the same. So this was in the golden age of television, when television leapt from nearly no viewers in the mid-1940s to millions and millions and millions, hundreds of millions of viewers by the 1970s. And nonetheless, literacy stayed the same in this survey. And not only that book sales, even before Harry Potter, had been steadily increasing. I talk all about this and I cite many studies in one of my books, The Soft Edge, A Natural History and Future of the Information Revolution. The proposition that photochemical, electronic, and now digital media are eroding our minds has always been an article of faith subject to refutation by neither common sense nor hard evidence. So I guess for this group of critics, all the success in the world, even if the Harry Potter books sold ten times the huge amounts they are selling, it wouldn't make a difference to them. But I'm looking forward to the beach this July. I'm looking forward to the copies of Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows that will be on so many blankets in so many hands. And each will whisper to any fool who ever underestimated the power of the human intellect, to anyone who ever doubted the thirst for good narrative in every generation, in a chorus of millions and millions, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. The Light on Light Through podcast is proud to be part of the Blueberry Network. That's blueberry with no ease dot com. And now a word from our new sponsor, Go to My PC. Communication theorists know that there are two kinds of information that we need to thrive in this world. One kind of information comes from the mass media, newspapers, radio, television. The other is information that we ourselves may create or write. Now, you can get the information on radio and television and the Internet just about anywhere. So what do you do when you have some very valuable information that's on your home computer and you're out there traveling somewhere, maybe across town, across the country, Use Go to My PC and you'll discover the power and freedom of the web. Try it free right now for 30 days with unlimited access. For this special offer, just visit gotomypc.com forward slash podcast. That's gotomypc.com forward slash podcast. You are listening to a Runaway Network podcast from runawaynetwork.com. Yes, indeed, and the LightOnLightThrough.com podcast is now proud to be part of two networks, the Blueberry Network, which is sweet, and the Runaway Network, which is very edgy. 
And in fact, you'll find a lot of sweet and edgy stuff in the LightOnLightThrough.com podcast. Well, we just have one flash I want to talk to you about in this episode of Light On, Light Through. Have you been following what's been happening with the Ron Paul candidacy? Ron Paul is a libertarian Republican who is running for the Republican presidential nomination. Now, I don't necessarily support him, certainly not completely. We disagree on some crucial things. For example, as listeners of Light On, Light Through know, I'm in favor of much stricter gun control laws, and I think it might even be necessary to repeal the Second Amendment in order to achieve that. But there are many things that I and Dr. Paul, who, by the way, is an MD and a longtime congressman from Texas, there are many things that we do agree upon. Most important, that the Constitution of the United States has to be followed. We wouldn't have gotten involved in the trouble we did in Iraq if Congress had insisted that the president not just go off to war on the basis of some kind of Senate and House of Representatives vote of support, but with a bona fide declaration of war as required by our Constitution. And Ron Paul and I also agree on the outrage of the federal government attempting to regulate broadcasting, even though we have a First Amendment which clearly says Congress shall make no law abridging freedom of speech or the press. Now, you've heard me talk about that a lot, so I don't want to go into a whole discussion of the First Amendment now. But Congressman Paul and I do agree on many of those issues, and therefore, I think his candidacy deserves serious consideration. But even if I didn't think that, I mean, who cares whether I think a candidacy deserves serious consideration or not? Anyone who announces for the presidency, especially someone who is already an elected official in the House of Representatives, as is the case with Ron Paul, deserves better than what he and his supporters have been receiving this past week. Let me give you just three instances of this in case you're not aware of them. One happened on ABC.com. This is ABC, the television and radio huge conglomerate network. Well, they have an online message system. And they conducted a survey after the Republican debate that I talked about in the last episode of Light On, Light Through. And there was some feeling that Ron Paul supporters may have in some way been trying to influence the result of that survey. Now, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. People are entitled to vote in a survey. And frankly, I don't know whether any of Ron Paul's supporters voted more than once. ABC.com was apparently uncomfortable with the results of that poll. And so they began to talk about, they, the editors of ABC.com, how Ron Paul supporters may have been in some way trying to game this poll. Ron Paul supporters signed on and in the comments section denied that. 
And here's where things started to go bad. That is where ABC.com started to abuse its privilege of being a journalistic medium. Because what ABC.com started to do is it removed comments from Ron Paul supporters who, of course, were not at all happy about that, and they began commenting about why their comments were being removed. Well, guess what? ABC.com then removed those comments. And I logged on to that system and tried to post a comment, and there was no way any comment could be posted, even though there was no indication that the system had been shut down. All told, according to Ron Paul supporters, there were hundreds of comments that were removed by ABC.com. I was so furious about that, I wrote two open letters to ABC.com. They were published on my blog, paullevinson.net. Well, guess what? I've received no response from ABC.com. Neither has anybody else. So that's just one of the things that's been happening. Another uh, happened with Yahoo.com, which took a year and a day to get Ron Paul listed as one of the candidates who were running for the Republican nomination. Well, maybe not a year and a day, but much longer than the other candidates. That's not right. And then finally, a much smaller system by the name of Pajamas Media, a really nice, cozy name of a system, but they certainly didn't act very nice and cozy to Ron Paul supporters. They also ran an online poll, and what they began to believe, that is, Pajamas Media, as they looked at the results of the online poll, which, again, Ron Paul supporters were doing, and Ron Paul was doing very well in this poll, Well, Pajamas Media began to think that maybe Ron Paul supporters were voting more than once. There was no evidence that they brought forth about this. This was just a feeling that they had. Well, they again began talking about this and saying, well, you know, we can't allow Ron Paul supporters to do this again with no evidence. Then they claimed that they received an email from someone in Ron Paul's organization, and I won't mention the person's name because very quickly Pajamas Media acknowledged that they believed that the email did not come from this supporter and this official in the Ron Paul campaign. Well, good, so they acknowledged that. But then, not so good, Pajamas Media proceeded to publish an online warning to Ron Paul supporters that if they didn't stop doing this, that Pajamas Media would have no choice but not to include Ron Paul's name in any future poll that it conducted. Well, Why would they not include Ron Paul's name in a future poll if they, Pajamas Media, acknowledge that Ron Paul's supporters certainly didn't send that email? Certainly the person whose name was on there, Pajamas Media, agrees did not send the email. And so this, I think, is a serious problem in our media. If you're going to be part of the news media of the United States, if you're going to be part of the press, if you're going to be covering an election, 
including polls that lead up to the election and reporting the results to the American people, you have to behave like a member of the press. You have to behave the way a media system should in the United States where you are protected under the First Amendment. And the way you behave is not disenfranchising supporters of one of the main political candidates. So I hope the media take note of this. I'm not the only person who's complained about it. And get their act together. We have a very important election coming up. The American people deserve no less than thoroughly unbiased open media coverage. what that is, baby, our promo suite. And first and foremost, as always, the MikeThinks.com podcast. And the bit that most caught my attention in Mike's most recent podcast from just this past Friday was a piece that Mike has about AT&T raising its rates for one of its calling cards somewhere. You know, there's no better sign of a dinosaur that's sinking slowly in the mud than when a corporation starts raising its rates. Hey, AT&T, wake up. People don't want to pay more for their phone. They never did. But increasingly, if you think about what's going on on the web and all kinds of alternate ways of making phone calls, people are paying almost next to nothing for their calls. Anyway, You'll hear what Mike thinks about this. I highly recommend it. Let me also mention a podcast that I don't have a promo for here. I think he's sort of like too dignified to do a promo. His name is Stephen Cobb. And you may recall a few months ago I was interviewed on his show. It's called TheFutureAndYou.com. And that's spelled just the way it sounds, with the U being Y-O-U.com. I'll, of course, have a link to it on the LightOnLightThrough.com webpage. But Steve Cobb has another part of his original interview with me that I did this past fall. I'm not even sure what I said, but, hey, I stand by it. And you can hear that on his podcast. By the way, let me just point out, unfortunately, Locust.com put a note up about this podcast and didn't mention my name. That's right, they should be booed. But I'll tell you, somebody who always does mention my name, and I always mention his name, and I love his work, is Sean Farrell, who is now concluding his patio book of my novel, The Silk Code. So go over to patiobook.com. You can, by the way, also get the complete patio book on iTunes. That is, all of the episodes rolled into one. If you want to listen to Sean doing a really fine presentation of the Silk Code, uh, I highly recommend it. Hey, and that's about it. You'll hear a couple of other promos as well. Listen, I had a great time talking to you. I'm looking forward to talking to you next week. In the meantime, sit back, relax, get ready for your Harry Potter coming this July, and enjoy.
out the Mike Thinks podcast, www.mikethinks.com. News and current events with an opinion. The Mike Thinks podcast. It's the news you missed. www.mikethinks.com. Locus award-winning novel by Paul Levinson comes to life in this free podcast novel. Journey into the ancient world, witness the wonder of ages past, and join Phil D'Amato in a struggle against forces both ruthless and unseen. Visit www.thesilkcode.blogspot.com to learn more about the author and the novel. And subscribe today at patiobooks.com. Join the battle witness the wonder or forever be victim to the awe and power of the silk code phil d'amato is ready are you punk horror podcast coming to you every other week from punk horror press featuring the punk and the pastor a movie review show featuring david Giannis and stacy campbell and author Red Fiction, featuring the best in horror and punk fiction. Don't miss it. Subscribe now at www.punkhorror.com.